Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series on the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to his favorite church. Yes, pastors do have favorite churches, and Pastor Paul absolutely loved the believers at Philippi. In most letters, Paul offered lots of course correction. At Philippi, he offered none. Instead, he spoke to them with great affection about their impact and maturity in Christ. No other book in the Bible has more memorable and life-changing verses than Philippians. In this series, Dr. Benji Kelly leads his favorite church through memorizing these power-packed verses and maturing in Christ. How are we doing today, church? We doing good? Good to have you. How many of you are like me, man? You know, you just woke up today and you thought, I'm not ready for this kind of weather. Huh? I can feel a little uh, lethargy in the house today uh, because, you know, it's, it's just chilly out there. And the, uh, the good news or the bad news, depending on how you're looking at it, they say it's going to get even colder. I think that, yeah, those are the crazy people. Those are the people that came down from up north, and uh, we're so glad you're here, but we prefer 70s around here. Um, but anyway, it's going to be a good day. I am so glad you're in the house of God today. I'm fired up about ending this series because today uh, we're actually going to kind of start off with my favorite verse. It's my life verse in all of Scripture. Repeat after me. I can do, I can do. All, things all things through Christ, through Christ. who strengthens me. Now, from the top, go with me. I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. I love that verse. I have it plastered around my house. It is my life verse. And uh, so excited about wrapping up the Philippians series. And we are glad you are in the house today. Hey, what do you say? Why don't we give it up for the North Raleigh campus? Pastor Mitch and Bryce over at North Raleigh. Keep it going. I want to give it up for Pastor Derek. And Brian and Garner, think about Pastor Nate and Bradford and Sanford, Pastor Aaron and Dustin in Columbia, love you guys, Pastor Chad Lunsford and John and Lydia up in the coffee house, keep it going, television, ministry, internet crowd, hey one more time for Renita, most of you know Renita, Renita used to be my assistant, Renita is now leading our prison ministry. Give it up for Renita and the NCCIW Women's Campus. Love, love, love all of you guys. Hey, before we get in, I got some big, big news to share with you today on multiple fronts. So let me just use this moment, since we're streaming to our campuses, to give some very important uh, high-level information. Number one, we had a vision night this Wednesday night. And uh, as a part of vision night, we like to honor our volunteers. And so we had lots of volunteers that we honored. And I just want to read their names because they are like... They're, they're the cream of the crop. I mean, this is, these are those who've just been shining brightly as a New Hope volunteer. Hold the applause until the very end. And then we'll just go crazy one time for it. Amen? And by the way, when it's a little chilly like this, just clap and move around and uh, you'll warm up. All right, you ready? Uh, John Evans at Central Campus. Dr. Nellie White at Sanford Campus. 
Terry Hardy at the Central Campus, Catherine Sakovich at the Columbia Campus, I probably just butchered that name, Gay Gibson Central Campus, Derek Mole, Moore, Columbia Campus, Aaron Henry, North Raleigh Campus, Kevin Light at the Garner Campus, Ronix and Iris Owens at the Central Campus, Ted Sloan at the Sanford Campus, Kitty Jones at the North Raleigh Campus, and Jackie Leonard at the Garner Campus. Give it up for all of the volunteers that we got to honor, honor, honor. Next, and then we're jumping on in. Um, we have some new staff that I am so stinking excited to announce for you today. And again, I'm doing it uh, globally because these pastors and staff actually impact the movement globally. I'm going to have them stand in a moment, but let me first tell you about our brand spanking new student pastor. Yes, 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 yes. Pastor Nick McDonald, he has a degree in youth ministry from Southern Wesleyan University. Hobbies, he loves hanging out with his beautiful soon-to-be wife. And let me just go ahead and show you her. This is the two of them together. This is Pastor Nick and Tessa. Here we go. There we go. Lovely, lovely, lovely couple. And um, he's getting married in December. I think it's December 15th. December 15th. I, I told my assistant, I'm like, in, in Delaware. I said, I want to go. I want to go. So she goes to, to check into it. And she comes back and says, Pastor, he's getting married on Sunday. I'm like, I got a little something, something I need to do on Sunday, December 15th. So I would have been there, man. I wish I could have been there. But pray for them as they get married in Delaware on the 15th. He loves to hang out with his wife. He loves skiing. He loves skimboarding. I didn't know what skimboarding was. Who knows what skimboarding is? Yeah, those are the crazy people, obviously. <laughs> the beach, working out, reading. He's eager to continue learning. His greatest passion is to see students come to know Christ uh, in an authentic kind of way. Uh, Tessa, his soon-to-be wife, uh, she has a degree in business management and a license in cosmetology. They love reading, running, drinking good coffee. That's a great combination, by the way. Um, he said as soon as he walked into New Hope, he knew this was where God wanted him to be. As soon as we heard him teach, as soon as we got to know his heart and his passion, we knew we wanted him here. Guys, this is a, a gift from the good Lord Almighty for our students. I am certain of it. It's, it's, a, it's a position and a ministry that's incredibly important. So we're so excited. Uh, his his wife-to-be is not here. But I'm going to ask him to just stand up and turn around so you guys can give it up for Pastor Nick McDonald. Yes. The campuses can see that as well. Hey, the next person I get the privilege to announce today is our executive pastor, Pastor David and Heather Bennett. Uh, and I want to tell you a little bit about him, but I want to go ahead and address the, the, the small elephant in the room. Some of you are like, what's an executive pastor? An executive pastor at a church is a person who comes in, and you might think of it, those of you in the business world might think of it in terms of COO, chief operating officer, or uh, the chief of staff. This is someone who comes in and, and, and helps run the day-to-day -day responsibilities of the church and leads our staff. We're about five years behind the curve in getting this position, but we didn't want to move till we felt the Lord leading us. His wife is Heather. They have three sons, Austin. Hudson and Jackson. Let me show you a beautiful picture of this family. There they are. Love these guys. 
Let me tell you a little bit more about Pastor David. Came from a successful career in the marketplace in a Fortune 250 company. He is known for caring for and developing leaders, building teams, executing strategy, and enhancing environments. He's originally from Michigan. Wolverines or Michigan State? Which, which your, huh? Notre Dame. No, neither. That's awesome. Heather's dad, this is a cool little tidbit. Heather's dad is a pastor, and um, she has North Carolina roots here in North Carolina. Her grandfather started several churches in the Greensboro area. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, They love the Lord. They've attended some great churches. He went to Cornerstone Christian University. Has a relationship with a good friend of mine who I believe is one of the best executive pastors on the planet, Dan Ryland at 12 Stone. Dan has poured in to Pastor David for like 19 years Writer, Twitter, leadership blog, you can find it all online. I want, I want David and Heather to stand up, and I want you to give them a warm, warm New Hope welcome. <laughs> Last but not least, you've been hearing me mention this couple for a while now, Pastor Joshua and Gloria Azikui. Say Azikui. Again, Ezekiwi. Yes, this, these are our Nairobi campus pastors. Pastor Joshua goes by Ezekiel and Pastor Gloria. They're both graduates of the Pan-Africa Christian University. They're both ordained pastors. Both have extensive ministry experience serving the Nairobi area, reaching all socioeconomic levels. Check this out. On Sunday, which for them was yesterday, just yesterday or their Sunday, They just had their very first core group meeting for the New Hope Nairobi campus. They have two children, Wima and Kimi. Uh, Let me show you there. Let me show you this beautiful family. Look at that family. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful family. And they're just excited about combining their passion and the New Hope movement. There's already a large group of people that already watch this worship celebration online. And uh, just pray, pray, pray for Pastors Joshua and Gloria. God is blessing our church. Amen? Amen. And we should be so thrilled and excited. And here he goes again, strutting his stuff with, I believe, some of the best pastors and staff on the planet And I want to pray for them, and I want to pray for their ministries. They got global influence, so they will be impacting the campuses as well. So why don't we just pray for them right now and pray for ourselves as we get into the Word. Amen? Amen. Here we go. Father, thank you for the way you continue to unleash your favor in this church. God, we're not worthy, but we're so grateful. Thank you for the world-class volunteers that we celebrated on Wednesday. God, thank you for the world-class staff and pastors that you continue to bring to this church. Father, would you use us together as a team to continue to reach people for Christ all over the world, teach them the Bible, and release fully devoted followers. Now we ask, Lord God, that you speak to us through your word. Would you take our hearts and fill with them? Would you take our minds and think through them? Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them. For if you do not speak today, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. 
And the faith-filled people of God said, Amen, amen. All right, let's do this thing. You got your Bibles open? Philippians 4. Now, I don't know what it's like at the campuses, but I can tell you, I can just still feel a little, little lethargy in the, in the air here in the central campus. And I preach better if you give me some energy. Okay, I pray. So I had a birthday not long ago, and um, I don't know about you, but like as I, oh, as I age and have birthdays, I tend to think about things more, right? You know, and, and, and I, I'm so jacked up, I'm going so hard that I lost track of my birthday this year. This is a very self-deprecating story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. We're at all staff meeting, and they're celebrating my birthday, kind of surprising me and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, I'm talking about me being 44. Like, I was going on and on and on about me being 44 years old. And finally, my administrative staff said, Pastor, we might be wrong, but we think you're 43. <laughs> and sure enough, they were right, and I loved them because they gave me an extra year. I mean, you know you got some good admin staff, man, when they give you a year for your birthday. Um, but I was thinking about my birthday and, you know, it, keeping our joy, right? And, and one of the challenges, I believe, is keeping your joy not only after you become a Christian, but as you age, right? Bob Hope was a champion of this. Bob Hope, any Bob Hope fans in the, in the house? Love Bob Hope. He died about a decade ago. But Bob Hope had some fun with the whole aging process. He said this. On his family's early poverty, he said this, Four of us slept in one bed. When it got cold, mother threw on another brother. <laughs> That's good stuff. Look at this. He said this. <laughs> oh, you like that more than I thought you would. He said, he said on his six uh, brothers, he said this, Early in life, I learned to dance while waiting for the bathroom. <laughs> on his early failures, Bob Hope said this, I would not have had anything to eat if it wasn't for the stuff the audience threw at me. <laughs> On turning 70, I love this one. He said, you can still chase women, but only downhill. <laughs> now, we are in the house of the Lord, and we do not embrace chasing women, church. Okay? Unless you're single and you are interested in her or she is interested in you. On turning 80, he said, that's the time of your life when even your birthday suit needs pressing. <laughs> On turning 90, Bob Hope said this, you know you're getting old when the candles cost more than the cake. <laughs> and on turning 100, he said, I don't feel old. In fact, I don't feel anything until noon. Then it's time for my nap. <laughs> Oh, it's great to laugh in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Now, in Philippians, I've told you every single week two things. One is I've told you Paul adored the Philippian church. Exactly like I adore this church. And don't think that's just the preacher thing to say, right? I love you, and I just want to go ahead and say it just one more time. I love you with an unbridled love and passion and honor, I honor you, I, 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 I'm so thrilled, I, I often wake up, I can't believe I get to do this, I can't believe I get to serve as your pastor, and Paul, Paul had a favorite church, and his favorite church was the Philippian church, he loved them, and I just really connect deeply with that, and, and the apostle Paul, and the second thing I've said to you every single week is I've said, hey, here's the deal, if I had to sum up the Philippian book in one word, the word would be joy, it's joy. 
And we said our memory verse is what? I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. Well, I believe we can apply that verse to joy. See, I believe you can live your life and actually experience joy all the days of your life. And I don't know why it is, but many people, they come to know Christ and they have great, great joy, but then they lose it. I don't know if it's the aging process. I don't know if it's the brutality of life. I don't know what the case may be. But people lose their joy. And Paul is saying to us in Philippians, it does not have to be that way. You can gain and experience authentic joy in Christ. And you can keep that all of your life. And so what I want to talk to you about today in this final installment of the Philippians series is how to maintain your joy. How to do what? Maintain your joy. And I don't know why anyone would not want to take notes on a, on a message about maintaining joy. So take out those teaching notes. Grab that pen in front of you. If you didn't get a bulletin on your way in, we apologize, but you should have. You can get up and get one if you want. Go to Philippians chapter 4 and pick up with me in verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. This is what we looked at last week, but I'm just framing the message from last week. And then we're going to look at a few more verses on joy. If you're ready for the word... Say, bring it, Pastor. Here we go. At all of our campuses, why don't we read the scripture out loud together? Ready? Go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is. The Lord is what? Near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. That's a great word for thanksgiving coming. All right, ready? Go. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is what this book is about. And in Philippians 3, he also talks about joy. And you did a, such a great job reading that passage of scripture. Let's read this verse, Philippians 3, 1, ready, go. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write these same things to you again, and it is a It is a what? What's that word one more time? Underline it. Underline it. Circle it. Write it in margin. Write, do whatever you want to do. But we're going to camp out on that word. Here's what I want to do today. I want to talk to you about the safeguards to maintaining your joy. A Christian can implement and apply certain safeguards in his or her life to make sure, listen, they resist the killjoys that are out there. Because this is maybe one of the reasons why we actually have a tendency to lose our joy. There are killjoys in this life that we live. There are killjoys, listen, in the church. That if you will let them, they will just suck the joy right out of you. You ever been around those people, man? They come up to you and you're doing good. And then before you know it, man, you walk away from them and you're down in the dumps. Right? They're like... You think about when they walk away, man, they just must, they must spit your joy out or something. I don't know. But they, they just suck it right out of you, man. Right? And, and, and wise, mature believers learn how to resist killjoys 
that will take your joy away. Again, if you're taking notes, here's the first one. And I am so stinking passionate about this one. Number one, we must resist legalism. Oh. So there's some people up in here who they've had legalists come in and steal their joy. We must resist legalism. Legalism is a killjoy. It can destroy the Christian life more than anything else I've ever seen. I put it number one because I believe it's the number one killjoy. I've been a Christian now for over 25 years. And I have seen more joy ruined over legalism than anything I've experienced. It can ruin people. Hello. It can ruin families. It can ruin churches. What is legalism? Let me give you a definition. Working definition. Legalism is substituting rules and rituals for my relationship with Christ. Come on now, you hear that? And it's so subtle. Don't don't fall into it. You can get trapped in this. Legalism is substituting rules and rituals for my relationship with Christ. It is so subtle because here's what we do. We take the focus off of what God has done for me and we start to put the focus on what I am doing for God. Now, don't, those of you who are like just, you know, way out there, you don't want to talk about truth and you're just like, ooh, anything goes, you know, kumbaya, we're all going to the same place. You're like loving this. That's not what I'm saying. Like you, you can... You can resist legalism. This might be the most important thing I say all day long because some of you just you misinterpret me sometimes. You can, you can resist legalism but still stand for truth. In fact, that's our calling. We stiff arm legalism. We resist it. We do not start focus on what I've done for God but instead what God has done for me. We do not focus upon what I do. And by the way, those of you who are serving in ministry, this is a temptation for you. Like the more mature you get, the more you start to serve. But if you're not careful, the more you serve, the more you'll start puffing yourself up based upon what you do. And we do not puff ourselves up based upon what we do. We delight and glory in what he has done. Hello, church. Hello, church. You got to watch legalism. You do not focus on what we do. Instead, you focus on what God has done. That is called grace. And the moment I start focusing on what I do, I have slipped into legalism. Paul did not have any patience for this. Paul referred to the legalists as dogs. This is not American Idol's Randy's Yo Dog. This is not a, this is not a term of endearment, right? This is Paul saying, beware of the legalists. So next time you see a sign that says, beware of dogs, hey, that's biblical. You're like, really? Yes, I tell you all the time you should read your Bible. This stuff is in there, right? Look at what it says. Look at what it says in Philippians 3, 2. Watch out for those who do evil, those those dogs, men and women. Can I get an amen? Y'all love for me to be inclusive when it's positive. I got to be inclusive when it's negative. In the Greek, Greek, right, it's, it's inclusive. It's masculine and feminine. Those men and women who insist on cutting the bottoms, body, circumcision, we worship God by His Spirit and we rejoice in our life in Christ. We don't put any trust in external, what? Ceremonies. Paul is hacked 
off. You dogs. You Judaizers trying to come into the church that I planted, that I love. Trying to convince my people that they're saved by what they do. And they cannot have connection with God unless they embrace circumcision and an external ceremony. Church, Christians, if you're going to maintain your joy, listen. You got you to gotta embrace grace and resist legalism. Do you hear me? You got you to gotta learn to breathe in grace every single day. You got to remember that if it weren't for the grace of God, I would be dead in my sins. You got to breathe in grace. And listen, if you will develop a practice and an art of breathing in grace every day, you know what your exhale is going to be? It's going to be praise. You see, you learn to inhale grace, church, and you learn to exhale praise. And when you do that, you can actually develop a life of joy. You don't stay where you are. You grow in grace. Here's the second thing. I must reevaluate my priorities. I must reevaluate my priorities. A lot of people, come on now, they're looking for joy in all the wrong places. I just thought of a country song. Some of you are like, oh, you did too. Some of you are looking for love in all the wrong places too. But that's a whole other subject for a whole other day. Amen. But we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. We have this tendency, don't we, to look for joy based upon things that we accomplish. Based upon accolades. Based upon trophies. And look at what Paul says in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 3. Let's read it out loud together on the count of three. One, two, three. But whatever was to my I now consider. Hold tight right there. This is Paul's profit and loss statement. Those of you who are business, right? Paul says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Pick up with me. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have I consider them that I may. Again, if you write in your Bibles, and you should, circle the word profit. And loss. What are you considering as your profits and your losses? What is your profit and loss statement? Paul says all those things I've just listed. And listen, church, he's just listed position, he's listed prestige, he's listed power. Paul says all those things I was proud of, I now count as zip. Nada. Nothing. They don't add up to anything to me. I love the Phillips translation. The Phillips translation puts it like this. I consider it all mere what? Garbage. Compared to being able to win Christ. Better translation. If you can write this kind of stuff in your Bible, it's dung. Some of your translations, the old translations would say that. I consider all these trophies, all these awards, all these things that I used to put my priorities on. They're about as worthless as dung. What's Paul saying here? 
He's saying we experience joy by storing up our treasures in heaven. Can I get an amen? Paul is remembering the words of Jesus when he says this, Store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Jesus would say this, watch out, be on your guard. Jesus even used that language, safeguard. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life doesn't consist of the abundance of things he possesses. Paul's saying, safeguard against making secondary things primary. Safeguard against trying to find hope and joy And even peace in the things of this world, church. You find your hope. You find your peace. You find your joy. Not in the things of this world, but in knowing Christ. We've had a tough week in the life of our church. Some of you follow me on Twitter, so you know this. Um, We don't have a a ton of elderly people here in our church. And the more we have, the more I, uh, I appreciate and love them. But we... In the last week alone, we have lost two of our most senior saints. Uh, they were both in wheelchairs, and you would see them around here. And uh, Miss Edna Cole Waters, I laid her to rest on Monday in Goldsboro at the long life of 92 years old. Wonderful, wonderful, beautiful life, the way it's supposed to be. And then um, Friday morning... At about 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, Miss Sweet Beulah, who I think might have been our oldest, 94 years old, Miss Beulah LaRue, uh, she passed away in her sleep. And and I'm sorry, it wasn't wasn't Friday. It was Wednesday night going into Thursday. The reason I know that is because she kept telling her children, you go to that vision night. They said, we don't want to go, you because know, she was having a bad day. We want to stay with you. And she just, she just kept telling them, finally, Miss Beulah put her foot down. <laughs> she said, you go. You need to hear the vision for 2014. You go. I'll be just fine. They went and came back and got her to sleep, and she passed away that night. As I've been ministering to these families, I've been reminded again and again and again. Listen, listen, listen. When you get to the end of it all, your power, your prestige, your possessions, your accolades, your successes, your earning power, whatever you want to throw, they aren't going to do you any good. I've never seen a a hearse carrying someone's possessions. When you get to the end of it all, church, the only thing that matters is did I know Christ? Did I walk with Christ? Am I a a beacon of his life and his love in the world? That's what truly matters. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. I've come to refocus my ambitions. Safeguard. I have to refocus my ambitions. Slightly related to number two, but lasting joy comes from knowing Christ better and better and better. I got a real question for you. Do you know Christ today better than you knew him last year? If you're progressively being sanctified in the work of God and the Holy Spirit in your life, I could ask it like this. Do you know Christ today better than you did a month ago? 
Like if I can't answer yes to that question, I don't know about you, but I feel like, man, I need to lean in more. I need to press in. I need to, I need to read scripture more. I need to pray more because I believe our chief ambition in life and these two saints who just left us would declare the same. My chief ambition in life should be to know Christ more and more and more and more. Look at what Paul would say in Philippians 3.10 out loud. Ready? Go. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his. Do you know Christ? At our campuses, those of you who might be watching this on the television or the Internet, anywhere around the world, do you know Christ? And are you growing to know him more and more and more and more? The Bible says this in that very same verse, but I love this translation. The Amplified Version puts it like this. Why don't we read this out loud? Amplified Translation. Ready? Go. For my determined purpose is that I may... That I may progressively become deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more and strongly and more. The third safeguard, church, is to refocus your ambitions. I'm reminded of a young boy parents told me about. He, he jumped in the bed. To go to sleep. They tucked him in. And sure enough. And if you've got kids. You've had this happen. Late into the night. He fell out of his bed. His mommy ran in there to talk to him. What happened Tommy? And he said this. I guess I stayed too close. To where I got in. I love that. Some of you. If you're not careful. You'll stay too close. To where you got in with Christ. Salvation, church, is more than just accepting him. Salvation is growing in faith and becoming more and more and more like Christ. So that if, if you were to chart out your life, as you develop and grow, you, you actually become more and more and more like Christ. Or as you business folks like to say, you, you know, you're up and to the right. Are you progressively developing? Can you echo the Apostle Paul and say, hey, I want to know Christ. And because of that, I'm getting to know him more and more. And if you can, I just want to close today with just some, some very quick things that, that I believe are paramount in helping you do that. Here's the first thing. It's a relationship. Right? It's a relationship with Christ. Those of you who are in long-standing relationships, you know this. Those of you who've struggled in relationships, you might know this in the other direction. To have a good relationship, to build a strong marriage, you have to invest time. Write it in. You have to invest time. It takes time to get to know somebody. Can I get an amen, spouses? It just takes time. Time. You spend time with him or her. You spend time getting to know that person. In the same way, if you don't spend time daily with Christ, 
your relationship will struggle. You'll be like that young kid. You'll just stay too close to where you got in. How are you doing on your time with God? What would it look like during this hectic, busy Christmas season that we're about to enter into to get up 15 minutes early? Just 15. And pray. And read the Bible. Or pop in some great worship CD, a symphony of praise. Hello. Brother, I didn't plan to give you that plug, but I just gave all the worship leaders a plug. To to throw that CD in and just light a candle. If you're into that stuff. Go stand outside on a cold, crisp morning and look up at the stars and the moon and and the planets and just spend time with God. Part of the reason we struggle with developing and becoming like Christ is because we're just so stinking busy. 15 minutes, 30. Watch what happens. Here's another thing. Oh, the married people know this up in the house. Talk. Talk to God. The number one struggle in relationships and marriage is the the spouses stop communicating. They just stop talking. Young person, you're into dating him or her. You got to talk. Not text. And I love me some texting. But texting ain't talking. Wow. Just struck a serious chord, didn't I? You just talk to him. Some of you don't talk to God much because you think it has to be so flowery. You think it has to be so formal. Oh God, thou thou hast created the universe. Would thy spirit come and dwell in thyself that I might worship thee all the days of thy life. That's stupid religiosity. Confession. I'm not into a bunch of flowery prayers. You know how you need to pray? You just talk to God. You just talk to Him like like He's your Heavenly Father. This is what Paul meant when Paul would say, pray without ceasing. Like, I was talking to the staff about a lot of this stuff the other day, and I was telling them that, that I pray all the time, and therefore I hardly ever say amen. But I'm not going, oh God. Send thee thy blessings and comfort. No, I'm just, I'm just riding down the road. God, thank you for this great place that I live. God, thank you for the beautiful people of New Hope Church. God, thank you for sending Jesus. God, I feel like you know what today. Can you help me feel better? God, can you infuse it? So, so praying, talking to God really is just a mark of maturity. It's just an ongoing Dialogue. This will set some of you free because almost, you know, a lot of you in here, you feel guilty because you don't pray much. I know you do. Like, I haven't even been checking your email. I know you do. It's like universal. We all feel like we don't pray much. Part of the reason we don't pray much is because we think we got to go and set aside a little sanctimonious little closet and sit down and have prayer. Now, that's a beautiful thing, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And I do that. I have my place. I have my space. 
But the best prayer is just an ongoing dialogue with a God who loves you, died for you. So talk to God in the good times and the bad times to to develop a relationship with Him. Time, talk. Here's the last thing, trust. You got to learn to trust Him. You got to learn to trust Him in the good times and the bad. I thought about that so much this week as I was with these two families and they lost their beloved mothers. Life's good, amen? But life can be bad. And one of the things that will also set you free is if you and I will start to understand and realize that often God uses the bad times as much, if not more, than he uses the good times so that I become more and more like Christ. You say, where do you get that from? Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained what? Access by faith into the into the grace not legalism into the grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God what a great phrase we boast in the hope of the glory of God not only so but we also glory in our what? we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Maybe what we need to do, hear me, I'm speaking to somebody today. Maybe what we need to do is stop asking God to remove the struggles, remove the sufferings, remove the pain, remove the hurt, and maybe we should start asking him, show me what you are trying to teach me in the midst of the suffering and the hope and the pain. Teach me. Maybe the reason he's not taking it out of your life is because you haven't let him teach you what he wants to teach you in the midst of it. You got to trust him to mature to that point, church. You got to trust him. Paul says, my only ambition in life is to know Christ. To even participate in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and his what? His resurrection. Do you know him? Like really, do you know him? We all knew about JFK, right? Wow, the media has been fired up on JFK. The the 50th anniversary of that tragic event, right? How many of you how many of you were around when JFK? Yeah. I wasn't, and even those of you who were around, I bet you could say you really just knew about him. You didn't really know him, right? You knew about him. You knew he came from an Irish Catholic family. You knew he came from a bunch of wealth. You knew he came from a political family. But we didn't really know him. I want to push as I wrap up today and ask you, do you know Christ? There is a difference between knowing about Christ and actually knowing him. It's often been said that the distance between heaven and hell is about 18 inches from your heart. To your brain. You can actually know 
about Christ. And because you're in church, most of you know about Christ. My question to you is, do you know him? And if you do, are you progressively becoming more like him? Are you getting to know him better and better and better? That's my question to you. Because as Paul would say in the beginning of this series, and we looked at early on, he is the name above all names. He is the king of kings. As Dr. S.M. Lockridge said of San Diego, California, he's a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's an ethnic king. He's the king of Israel, church. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory, church. He's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. That's my king. Do you know him? I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Do you know he's the king of kings? David said that the heavens, come on, declare the glory of God. That the firmament shows his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there are no means of measure that can define his limitless love. No far-reaching telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of the shore of his supplies. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out blessing, church. Do you know him? He's enduringly strong. He's entirely what? Sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. God's son. Do you know him? He's the sinner's savior. Come on, church. He's the centerpiece of all civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's honest. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the grandest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. Come on. And he's the fundamental doctrine of historical theology. Do you know him? He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative, come on, of everything good that you can choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all our needs simultaneously. Come on now. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He's the almighty God who guides and keeps all people. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the ages. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. That's the king of Philippians. That's the king. And I wonder if you know him. He's the king. Come on church. He's the king of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. Do you know him? Most of you are standing up. Everybody stand to your feet. Do you know him? He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the almighty. He's the captain of 
of the conquerors. He's the head of all heroes. He's the leader of all legislatures. He's the overseer, come on church, of the overcomers. He's the governor of the governors. He's the prince of all princes. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you know him? Oh, I wish I could describe him to you. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting and everlasting and everlasting. His love never changes. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invisible and he's irresistible. The heavens can't contain him. Let alone some man like me explain him. You can't get him out of your mind, church. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him. And you can't live without him. The Pharisees, no, 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 they couldn't stand him, but they found that they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree about him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Do you know him? Do you know him? Not do you know about him. Do you know him? And if you do, are you becoming more like him? And the way you do that is you spend time daily with him. You talk with him. And you trust him in the good and the bad. One more time. Do you know him all heads bowed eyes closed Father thank you thank you that the truth be told God you are indescribable and though words fall short I fail miserably at trying to I thank you that we can know you I thank you for this series, God, that you have moved so powerfully in in the last seven weeks. God, I thank you for every single person who's experiencing this at any of our campuses. And I want to give someone the opportunity to get to know you today. Not to know about you, God. The Bible says even the demons know about you and they shudder. Not to know about you, God, but to actually know you. If you're here today, or you're at any of our campuses, or you're watching this online in Nairobi or Montana or anywhere else around the globe, and you want to know Christ, you want to invite him into your life. And from this day forward, you want to give him time. From this day forward, you want to talk to him. From this day forward, you want to trust him in the good and the bad. I want to give you an opportunity right now to just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. Come into my life. 
The Bible says in the book of Revelation, he stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks. If you're here and you're tired of playing games, or maybe you're here and you, you once knew him, but you just have grown stagnant. You, it, your relationship with Christ has grown stale. You've kind of had a spiritual divorce, if you will, with Christ. Today you want to come back home. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to just raise your hand wherever you are. Just pop it up high at all of our campuses. Even if you're sitting at at home in front of a computer screen or a television, you just raise your hand as a way to accept Christ and say, Jesus, come into my heart. If that's you today, and God's been stirring in your heart, one, he loves you. He saves you by his grace. Two, he died on a cross for you. Shed his blood. Three, the father raised him to new life and he reigns in heaven and will be there waiting for you when you get to the end of your life and will infuse in your life right now the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you for moving in this moment. Thank you for those who are ready to give their lives to you. If that's you, one, two, three, just raise your hand up high. Just raise it up high. All heads bowed, eyes closed. Yeah, keep them up. Keep them up. I all over this place. Raise them up. I want to see them. I see all of you over here. You back there. You. All of you. Dozen of you right here in this section. Dozens of you right here. Dozens of you over here. Father, I trust by faith that hands are popping up at all of the campuses. If that's you, you just say this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as Lord, King of Kings. I have concluded that you are enough for me. Christ is enough. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. God, I want to know you more. Like the Apostle Paul, I want to know you, Christ. Take control of my life. I surrender it to you. Move me forward from this day on, God. That I might become more and more like your son, Jesus. That I might one day see you face to face. And reign with you and all the other saints that have gone on before us. This we pray in the name of Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you'd like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.